to the book of Psalms, the 13th chapter. Let's take a break this week from the book of Ephesians. I felt this is where the Lord would lead me this morning. And talk this morning on this thought, how long, Lord? How long, Lord? Psalm 13. It's on the screen, it's on your handout. Six verses. Let's look beginning at verse number one. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Now notice a shift here in verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for He has been good. Amen. Starts out with the question of how long. But then when his focus changed, I'll trust in your mercy. I'll rejoice in your salvation. And I'll sing to the Lord because He has been good. Father, I pray today You'd speak to heavy hearts and to those who have gone through long seasons of waiting. Those who feel frustrated, those who feel as though you are a million miles away. I ask you to speak to them today and remind them that you're still ever present, that you're still there. That you still love them, you still care for them, and you're still available to help. And I ask you, God, to help me to convey that message today. God, I'm just an earthen vessel, and on my own I can't do anything. I ask God that you're hiding behind the cross today. And I pray that people not see me, but they see me. I pray that I decrease so that you increase and I ask today that you anoint me in such a way that I would speak forth the words that only need to be spoken. And I pray that you open the ears of the people to hear and open the hearts of the people to receive. And I pray that there be liberty in this place today. Your word says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I ask God for liberty and freedom in this place today. And I ask for miracles and I ask for deliverance and I ask for healing. And I ask God that when we leave, we will be different. We will be transformed by our time together. And God, I expect and anticipate great things to happen. Not because of me, but because of Your presence and because of the Holy Spirit that is in our midst. And I thank You now for what You're about to do in these next few moments. And I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone say it. 
Amen. You can be seated. American pastor, Bible teacher, and author Lehman Strauss and his wife Elsie had just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary when Elsie suddenly suffered a massive disabling stroke. Nine months later, after a little improvement, Dr. Strauss, he began writing a book entitled In God's Waiting Room. And it was a book that related to what God was teaching him through, through his severe trial. And in that book, Dr. Strauss, he shares these words. I've been teaching the Bible and preaching sermons and writing books for 45 years. But trial and tribulation are now my constant companions. Truths that I once knew intellectually and academically, I'm now learning experientially. There is a great difference. How many know that to be true? He said, I've been in God's waiting room since my wife had her stroke. Elsie remains paralyzed and she needs my love and care 24 hours every day. This business of waiting is one tough assignment. At times I've found it hard to wait. I get in a hurry and God seems so slow. How many have ever felt like that? You're in a hurry and God isn't. You see, from time to time in life we find ourselves in the midst of prolonged seasons of Suffering, we find ourselves in seasons of trial and seasons of difficulty. It might be a season of sickness. It might be a financial crisis. It might even be an emotional hurt. Someone's done something to you to cause you pain. And the immediate question is, like David, how long? How long am I going to deal with this sickness? How long am I going to have to suffer emotional hurt? How long am I going to have to endure this financial crisis? How long is this trial going to last? How long will it be before I experience joy and happiness again? How long will I have to wait on an answer to my prayers? We've all been there. And at times we've all went to God and we've said, God... How long? Now, if you were raised like I was, you've probably been taught, don't ever ask God questions. But listen, God can handle your questions. In fact, when I read the Word of God, especially the book of Psalms, I find them over and over again asking questions of God. In fact, one place in the Psalms, David said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt forsaken by God. And he was speaking prophetically of Jesus, but he felt forsaken by God. And yet here in Psalm 13, he said, How long, O Lord? He said, Will you forget me forever? And some of you feel that way today. Forsaken and forgotten by God. You see, we've heard the saying before that time flies when you're having fun. And isn't that how it seems? That when you're having a good time, just time seems to go by. But have you ever noticed that time doesn't fly when you're not having fun? That when you're suffering and when you're hurting, time seems to stand still? It seems to creep by slowly? That when you're going through a very difficult time and it seems as though God is a million miles away, our days seem long and our nights even longer? If that's how you feel today, you're not alone. 
In this passage, David found himself in God's waiting room as he wrote the 13th Psalm. In fact, many commentators think he wrote this while he's on the run from Saul. And here's the thing. Many believe that he's on the run from Saul for close to 10 years of his life. Listen. Not 10 days, not 10 weeks, but 10 years. He's running for his life. Hiding out in caves. Trying to run from a man who's wanting to take his life. And he pins the words, how long? Oh Lord. So this morning as we look at this passage, I want to give you some truths and some principles, some lessons on how to endure your time in God's waiting room. Number one, you need to confess your feelings to God. That when you're going through a long season of suffering, a long season of waiting, and you're wondering how long you need to confess your feelings to God. Let's look at verse 1 and verse 2 again. He said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You see, one of the greatest lessons of the Psalms is also one of the most comforting. It's okay and it's acceptable to pour out your hearts to God and tell Him how you feel. Let me say that again. It's okay to pour out your heart to God. It's okay to tell God what's on your mind. It's okay to tell God how you feel. Let me just say this. It's okay to be honest and blunt with God about the pain in your heart. In fact, let me say this. It's okay to even take your complaints to Him. And that's what we see David doing. Taking his complaints to God. You see, our Heavenly Father, He knows us inside and out. He knows us completely. And in His grace, He gives us permission to bring our frustrations and feelings to Him. Listen, if you need a place to vent, vent to God. Listen, it won't cost you a dime and you don't have to travel to somewhere. Just get on your knees and vent your frustrations to God. And He'll always have an ear to hear. Why go pay good money to a psychiatrist or psychologist who really can't help you anyways when you can talk to God about everything going on in your life and nothing against those people. When it's all said and done, the only one that can truly help you is God. And He's free. Amen? If we're going to walk through victory through the dark valleys of life, you've got to be willing to express how you feel to God. When you're angry, you need to be willing to say, God, I'm angry. And I don't understand. You need to be willing to go to God and say, God, I don't understand why this happened to me. Well, preacher, I can't talk to God like that. Well, you need to learn how to. Listen, God can handle it. 
How many believe that? God can handle it. Read the Psalms and you'll find out how they talk to God. In fact, if you'll read the Psalms, you'll get better at praying. Listen, prayer doesn't have to be cute. It doesn't have to be nice. Sometimes it just has to be brutally honest. God, I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Why is this happening? And how long am I going to have to suffer? And you might find out you might get breakthrough. In fact, when you start... Oh, let me say this. In fact, you might find out when you start asking questions, God might start giving you answers. Oh, I just felt the Holy Ghost on that one. Because some of you walked in here today saying, why ain't God giving me answers? It's because you don't ever ask any questions. Woo! That was good right there. Let me say that again. The reason some of you don't get answers is because you don't ask questions. You want God to talk to you, talk to Him and ask Him some questions. And then close your mouth and listen. And He might say something. And He might give you the next step. It might show you what to do. But you've got to be willing to get honest. And that's what David did. And I've got to move. Oh, I've got to move. I've got to move quickly. You'll, you'll notice that David, four times he asked God how long. In verse 1 and verse 2. And he expresses some frustrations that consumed his heart and mind. Number one, he felt forgotten. He said, will you forget me forever? He felt like God was ignoring him. And notice this, he didn't ask the Lord if he had forgotten him. David had concluded God had forgotten him and asked how long until he remembered him again. I'm sure David had begged God to intervene in his crisis, but nothing had changed. He asked if God would ever again remember him. And all of us have been there. We've all had times where we think God has forgotten us. And some of you walked in here today thinking God's forgotten you. But God has sent me this way to let you know this morning God has not forgotten you. God still remembers you today. Listen to Isaiah 49 verse 15 and 16. He says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. God says, even if a mother could forget her child, I will never forget you. And He says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. How many have ever seen somebody take out an ink pen and write something on their hand they didn't want to forget? God says, I've engraved you on the palm. Can I tell you what He said? He said, I've tattooed you on the palm of my hand and I'll never forget you. But secondly, notice, not only did David felt forgotten, he, he felt forsaken. He felt abandoned by God. He felt he was alone in his suffering. 
He said, how long will you hide your face from me? The face of God was a symbol of His presence, favor, and blessing. By saying that the Lord was hiding His face, David was expressing that he felt alienated from God. He felt that God had withdrawn His favor from him. Some of you feel that way today. Some of you walked in here today thinking that somehow God has a grudge against you, that God has actually turned His back on you. You feel that somehow God has hidden His face from you, that God is playing hide and seek with you. But listen, God hasn't forgotten you and God hasn't forsaken you. God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And even if you don't sense God's face towards you, it is. His face is shining upon you today. But thirdly, David felt frustrated. David said, how long must I Notice the words, wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart. David is experiencing mental and emotional turmoil. He's wrestling with his thoughts. How many has ever had to wrestle with your thoughts before? He's experiencing discouragement. He's about to have a mental breakdown. He's about to go through depression. Wrestling with his thoughts. Anxiety in his heart. You know, that's what worry is. It'll pull you apart. It'll cause you to have a mental breakdown. And that's where David is. Frustrated. Just wrestling with those thoughts that's going over and over in his mind. Where's God? with what I'm going through. And that's where some of you are today, wrestling with where's God. And Satan's trying to attack your mind, wanting you to doubt the goodness of God, wanting you to doubt the love of God, wanting you to doubt the faithfulness of God. And you're wrestling with your thoughts, wrestling with your emotions. In fact, some of you walking in here today and your feelings and your emotions have gotten the best of you. Well, God don't love me anymore. God's walked away from me. God's turned His back on me. Listen, you can't trust your feelings. You've got to trust the Word of God. Amen. But he felt frustrated. And he has this war raging within him, waging within his mind. Some of you today, you've been praying, nothing's changed. You've grown discouraged. You've grown depressed. But I want to tell you this morning that even though you don't see God working, He's still working. In fact, you can write this statement down. God is working in your waiting. God is working in your waiting. Listen to Psalm 138 verse 8. Psalm 138 verse 8. It says, The Lord will work out His plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. The first part of that verse says, the Lord will work out His plans for my life. Can I tell you that God doesn't leave anything unfinished? That means if God started to work in you, He's going to finish it. Now we don't always like the way God does it. We don't always like the timing in which God does it. But God always finishes what He starts and He will fulfill His purpose for your life. 
And right now you might be in a season of trial, in a season of difficulty, and you're wondering how long, God, when's this going to come to an end? Listen, if God started something in you, He will work out His plan for your life. He will bring it to perfection. And you may not like how He's doing it, but He will finish it. Just buckle up and hold on. Let God do His work. Because He's working when you can't see. Amen? Confess how you feel to God. God can handle it. But number two, cry out for God's help. Look at verse 3 again. Look on me and answer. Oh Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. David, he desperately needed the Lord's help. And from the depths of despair, he begged for God's attention and assistance. He said, look on me and answer. Oh, he's crying out for God to show up. He begged God to consider. He begged God to look at him. Remember, David felt like God turned his face away. He felt like God was ignoring him. He's saying, God, look at me. God, give me some attention. Consider my plea. David asked God to hear him. He's saying, God, answer me. He's saying, God, I want you to respond to my request. I want you to respond to my situation. He's begging God to do something. He's begging God to intervene. He's begging God to take action. He's desperate to connect with God. Because he says... If you don't give light to my eyes, if you don't show up, I will sleep in death. He needed to hear from God. That's where David's at. He's saying, God, I gotta hear from you. I gotta connect with you. I gotta sense your presence. In fact, let me ask somebody today are you desperate to connect with God? Are you desperate to sense His presence? Are you desperate to hear from Him? If you do, you need to cry out for God's help. And you might be saying, Preacher, I've cried out for God's help and nothing's ain't changed. But listen, pray again, cry out again, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep going to God in prayer. He said, give light to my eyes. Other translations say, enlighten my eyes. What David is saying, God, I don't know what to do, but give me insight, give me wisdom, help me to know what to do. Can I tell you what most of us pray for when pain comes? God, deliver me. God, get me out of it. David saying, God, give light to my eyes. Help me to understand. Can I tell you some of the greatest things you can do when pain comes into your life instead of saying how long and instead of saying why is start saying, God, what can I learn from this? How can I change through this? And watch what God does. Because here's the thing, many times when pain comes, our vision gets cloudy. And we need to say, God, enlighten my eyes. Give me wisdom. Give me insight. 
That's what James in chapter 1 talks about when we have through, when we go through trials. He says, count it all joy. But in verse 5, he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give to all men liberally who, upbraid, who upbraideth not. In other words, when you're, when you're facing problems, when you're facing trials, and you don't know what to do, ask God for wisdom. But can I tell you, what we so often do, instead of going to God, we run from Him instead of to Him. You see, David's problem drove him to prayer. His problem drove him to his knees. And our problems should drive us to our knees. So many times we run from God rather than to Him. Now initially we may go to Him. But when God doesn't respond quick enough, we'll find other avenues to try to fix it. We'll seek our own counsel. We'll seek our own advice. We'll seek the advice of others. Because God isn't showing up quick enough. Listen, if you want help during your season of trial, if you want help during your waiting room period of life, you need to cry out to God and say, God, enlighten my eyes. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Give me guidance. Help me to see this the way you want me to see it. And God will help you. Number three, trust in God's unfailing love. Trust in God's unfailing love. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. The King James says, but I trust in your mercy. He says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for He has been good to me. Other translation says, for He has dealt bountifully with me. Suddenly, almost unexplainably, David's demeanor radically changed. Think about it. His questioning and pleading are suddenly transformed into rejoicing. He goes from asking how long I trust in your mercy and I rejoice in your salvation and I'll sing unto the Lord for He has been good to me. Notice, He hasn't received the answer to His questions. God hadn't spoken in these six verses. He hasn't been delivered from his situation. But after pouring out his heart to God, after openly confessing his anxiety and pleading with God for help, the peace of God has flooded his soul. (laughs) He's waited on God. And Isaiah said, his strength has been restored. The Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. In these two verses, we see that the sorrow that filled David's heart has been driven out and replaced by trust in God's mercy and rejoicing in God's salvation. What changed? David's perspective, David's focus. 
You see, he went from focusing on himself and his problems to focusing on God's mercy and God's salvation. You see, that shift in focus moved him from confusion and depression to joy and praise. You see, if you'll get your eyes off your problem and get your eyes back on God and get your eyes back on Jesus and get your eyes back on what God's done for you, you can shout in the midst of adversity. If you'll get your eyes off of the mountain and get your eyes back off of the situation that you're going through, get your eyes back on the one who can fix it all, you can dance in the midst of all that you're going through because God is good even in the midst of all of your adversity. in his life. And then he says, I'll rejoice. God hadn't answered him yet. And he says, I'll still trust in God's mercy. Let me just say something to you. When you can't trust in anything else, you can trust in God's mercy. When you can't trust in anything else, you can trust in God's faithfulness. When you can't trust in anything else, you can trust in God's love. Listen, God is faithful and worthy to be trusted. Amen. And he said, I've trusted in God's mercy. And I'll rejoice in your salvation. He knew God had rescued him. He knew God had saved him. And I just want to say to the saints of God today, if you're saved and your name's written in heaven, you've got reason to rejoice. And you need to tell your heart to start rejoicing. Well, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what kind of week I've had. You don't know what kind of month I've had. You don't know what kind of year I've had. Listen, are you going to heaven? Rejoice. Well, preacher, I've been going through hell this week. Well, keep on going, but if you're on your way to heaven, keep rejoicing. Jesus told his disciples, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. God's done something for you. Your sins have been forgiven. You've got eternal life. You're on your way to heaven. That ought to put you on shouting ground. But here's the thing. You've got to shift your focus. You see, David couldn't rejoice as long as he was looking at his enemies and his foes and his problems. And some of you have walked in here today and all your focus has been on is your enemy and your problems and your circumstances. And preacher, I wonder I ain't got no joy this week. I wonder why I don't have no peace this week. Let me ask you, what have you been exalting in your life this week? What have you been talking about most this week? You've been talking about your problems mostly this week. No wonder you ain't got no joy. No wonder you don't have any peace. You've got to shift your focus. Because you'll notice David's shift didn't happen by accident. It took a deliberate choice. 
He said, I have trusted in your mercy. He said, I will rejoice. He's making a deliberate choice. He said, I will sing. He's being deliberate in what he does. He probably don't feel like it. But he said, I'm going to sing. All because his perspective changes. You see, all of a sudden he realizes, go to verse 6, Brother Bill. All of a sudden he realizes he has been good to me. All of a sudden David begins to realize God's been better to me than I deserve. I'll say. He begins to count his blessings and add them up. He says, I'm going to sing to the Lord. His focus gets shifted from what he's going through to, oh God, you've been so good to me. You've abundantly blessed me. And a song springs forth from his soul. Oh, hallelujah. And if your focus has changed today and understand that He has been good to you, God will let a song spring forth from your soul. And you better sing in your midnight hour. Oh, I feel His presence. Because here's the thing, some of you need to begin singing. I don't feel like singing. I'm going through hardship. I'm going through trial. I don't feel like singing. But here's the thing. If you can sing in your hardship, Satan isn't going to know what to do with you. Because Satan thought he had Job exactly where he wanted him when he took everything away from him. And when Job fell to his knees and began to bless the Lord... I don't read where Satan ever showed up again in the book of Job. And I read where at the end of Job he got double for all he lost. How many of you could use double for everything that's been taken from you? I couldn't. Because I've lost some things. I've had some things stolen. But if I had to be honest, there have been times I hadn't always responded with the right attitude. And you haven't either. But here's the thing, it don't cost me nothing. It don't cost you nothing to respond with the right attitude. I mentioned this morning in Sunday school class, it don't matter how bad life gets, God is still good. And He's been too good to me, and He's been too good to you for me to sit back and have a pity party. Like David, I will sing to the Lord. Well, he's been good to me. He's dealt bountifully to me. And I'm not going to promise you when you sing, He's going to change it. But I promise you, you'll feel better. 
And that's the thing. You can go through anything if you'll just feel a little bit better. Right? If you can just feel a little bit better, you can go through anything that you face in life. You'll just feel better. I've got to close. I want to say this. David chose to interpret his circumstances by God's love rather than to interpret God's love by his circumstances. Don't ever allow the circumstances of your life to dictate whether or not God loves you. God loves you through it all. God's merciful through it all. And so I want to say to somebody today, don't be so caught up and so absorbed in your trial that you forget God's love and you forget God's mercy. Shift your focus today on Him and sing. Rejoice. Because God's good. Close with this. If you're frustrated and wondering how long before it's over, you just got to do what David did. Vent your feelings and frustrations to God. Tell Him about the hurt. Tell Him about the helplessness in your heart. Second, express your needs to Him. Ask for help. Ask for insight. And third, receive the song He wants to give you in your midnight hour. You see, God wants to take the sorrow from your soul and replace it with the glorious song a song of praise to Him. Will you stand with me?